Incredible edibles start with Loran. Professional bakery emulsions, super strength flavors, and candy mixes from Loran make it easier than ever to create your own delicious edible experience. Bite Me listeners in the contiguous 48 receive 15% off their order at loranoils.com. Just enter Bite Me 15 at checkout. For listeners outside the 48, email customercare at loranoils.com for a list of distributors and retailers near you and tell them Marge sent you. In this week's episode, we cover beef and broccoli, a recipe that was shared with me from Travis the Nomad Cook. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles where I help you take control of your high life. I am your host, Marge, and I just want to say thank you for being here today and listening along. So before we get started on this week's recipe, I just want to say that I got a really nice message from Mikey, who's been listening to the show and he has been really enjoying some of the recipes and the guest in particular, he mentioned Amanda Ryman in the Cali Sober with Amanda Ryman episode. And I just want to say a big shout out to Mikey for taking the time to send me an email. Really appreciate it. And if you are ever interested in reaching out about anything, please don't hesitate to do so because I love hearing from you guys. The email, as always, is bitemepodcast at fastmail.com. And you can always leave me a voice message as well. Usually the links for that are at the bottom of the show notes, or you can always go to the website, bitemepodcast.com, and find the tab for leaving a voice message as well, because those are kind of fun. It's nice sometimes to hear people's voices. Anytime you want to reach out, I'm all ears. And speaking of guests, I do have some more interesting guests coming up. I'm really excited about some of the ones I've lined up. The I have a couple recorded already in the can coming up in the next few weeks. I'm working on another big guest that I'm excited about. I have an interview coming up with someone uh, next week, actually. So I'm working on a lot of guests. And now I'm going to turn the tables to you and ask, do you like having guests on the show? Is that the kind of thing that you like to hear? I love having people on and talking to them because it really sort of gives you a different perspective on the cannabis industry and on the edibles industry specifically, and whether they're people working professionals who are bringing products to the market or home cooks or just people doing really interesting things in this space. I love talking to them because I often learn a whole heck of a lot. And that means I expect you guys probably learn something too. But Maybe there's a guest that you would love to see on the show or a chef that you think is doing great things that might be a good fit and you would like to see me talk to them. I don't know. I'm just asking you, by all means, let me know if there's something you would love to see, someone you'd love to have me talk to. Uh, I'm always willing to try and reach out to someone. I mean, it doesn't always work out. I have had people tell me that they don't have the time or they're not doing podcast interviews or or whatever the case might be. So that does happen. But I do find most, for the most part, people are actually very willing to come on this little show on my corner of the internet. I think guests bring a lot of something to bite me the show about edibles. Their knowledge, expertise, wisdom, know-how, 
and mutual love of edibles. Now, if you're ever looking for a guest that has been on the show, I do add them to the friends of the podcast page that I have over on the website at bitemepodcast.com. All you have to do is go to the resources tab and it's in there and they will have, you'll see all the thumbnails of all the interviews that I've done to date. And there's usually a link to that specific episode page so you can find the relevant show notes and where to find them. But there's also usually a link directly to their main their main work. So if they have a website or an Instagram page or something that they're working on that they're really trying to get out there in the world, I'll link to it there as well. So you don't necessarily have to go to the show notes page, although often there's more there, more detail there as well. But yeah, if you're ever looking for information, you want to go find the Cali Sober episode or the Ganja Mama episode, who was my very first interviewee on the show, and she's lovely. You can find them all there and everybody in between. So do check that out and let's get into this week's recipe. By the time you're listening to this, you may or may not have had the chance to listen to the episode that I recorded with Travis Peterson, the Nomad Cook. And it was great having him on. I've been trying to get him on the show for, you know, a little while. He's a busy guy. If you'd had a chance to listen to it, he is traveling across the country this summer doing a couple of different tours. He's doing his infused dining tour in Canada. And if you follow him on Instagram, that's the best place to find where there might be tickets still available. He's very active there. So if you message him, he's always happy to reply. And he's also doing the Russell Hendricks Culinary Cannabis Workshops across the country as well. And those will be in places like Toronto and He's starting out in Vancouver and making his way across the Russell Hendricks locations in Canada. And he's doing all this before moving to the United States. So he is very busy, but always loves to talk, always loves to talk to fellow edibles enthusiasts like us. He's going to be busy. He's going to be, he is coming out with a new cookbook as well at the end of the season, end of the summer season, I believe. I'm hoping to get my hands on that because I think he brings some incredible talent to the culinary cannabis industry. And this book is going to be probably for people like ourselves who have been making edibles for a while and are looking for some of those more advanced techniques in edibles making. So that should be a pretty interesting book when it comes out. But he was happy to share with me a recipe for me to share with all of you. And that is this beef and broccoli recipe, which is fantastic. I did make it last week. Uh, well, uh, not last week, if you're listening to this at the time of the of the release of this episode, but a week before I recorded this episode in any case. And it's it's a nice recipe because it's a really good weeknight meal. Now, it could, because it doesn't take too long. The only caveat I would mention is that you does require some marination time. And when I first set out to make this recipe, I kind of skimmed over it, even though I've told myself so many times, Marge, you really need to read the whole recipe through before you go to make it. Because if you don't, you're liable to miss some of these important details, like you need to let the meat, the beef marinate for two hours before you cook it. And of course, I went to go make it and I had not done that. So I was a little disappointed in myself because I had to come up with a whole new dinner plan on the fly which I can't remember what it ended up being, but if I know myself, it was probably something to do with eggs because eggs are fast and delicious and 
I have to admit, I really love eggs with a little side dish of spicy mayo. I don't know if you find that gross or not. I happen to think it's delicious, but eggs are versatile. I don't need to convince you guys of that, of course. Eggs are great, but that's probably what I ended up eating instead because I had to go and marinate this beef. Now, it did say to marinate it for two hours, but because I was totally unprepared and and uh, went to go cook it, it wasn't, you know, by the time it was, I was ready to cook, there was no way I was going to be able to make this meal that same night because that would have meant I was starting probably at 9 p.m. or something like that. So I just ended up marinating it overnight in the fridge, and that's something else you can do too. So by all means, two hours is probably a minimum rule of thumb. If you think of it and you want to get to the mar- like start marinating it, you know, a day in advance or several hours, then that's always an option too. And the recipe is simple. That's one of the reasons I like it because a lot of the times when you're trying to come up with something to make for dinner, you want something that's not going to take forever. And basically you're going to have a strip loin steak that you will, you'll be slicing into thin slices. Uh, you need a head of broccoli, a shallot. If you don't happen to have, is that how you say it? Shallot or shallot? I don't really know. I Shallot sounds fancier, so maybe I'll stick with that. Of course, if you don't have a shallot, I suppose you could always substitute it for a cooking onion and who's really going to know? A teaspoon, a tablespoon of grated ginger, garlic, mirin, soy sauce, sake, and infused sesame oil. Now, I do have a few comments about this because most of those ingredients, as you might imagine, are pretty easy to find in any old grocery store. The ginger, the garlic, the onions, shallots, uh, broccoli, sure. But mirin and sake are kind of specialty ingredients. And I, you know, as someone who cooks a fair bit, I do happen to have things like rice vinegar. I've done, you know, enough Asian-inspired cooking that I really like to have some of the hoisin sauce in the fridge and soy sauce and coconut aminos and rice vinegar and all those types of things. But I did not have mirin, and I actually had to look up what it was. And I didn't have sake either. And even though I've been to the liquor store probably numerous times in the last little bit, I totally forgot the one day when I was shopping for some of these ingredients, totally forgot to look for sake. But I also felt kind of the recipe only calls for two tablespoons of sake. And I hope I'm saying that right too, who really knows. But it only calls for two tablespoons. So sometimes I really hate to go to the store and buy an item where you use two tablespoons, and then that bottle is going to sit in your cupboard for God knows how long. I mean, I've I've got this like graveyard of certain items scattered around in different cupboards in my in my kitchen for that very same reason because you use it once for something specific and then I guess you have it on hand if you ever need it again but a lot of times it sits there for a long time. And so I looked up alternatives for these particular items. The mirin as well is sort of a Another ingredient here, I found a really good website that sort of gave you really nice um, substitutes for things like sake and mirin. It says here, actually, mirin can be difficult to find outside of Asia, which can cause problems for Japanese food fans looking to recreate some of their favorite dishes at home. Luckily, there are several similar taste ingredients that can be used as a substitute for mirin if you don't have any on hand. And of course, you may be fortunate to have a well-stocked Asian grocery store where you live. I do have one uh, near me, but it's downtown and not really 
close to where I do some of my grocery shopping. So I didn't have a chance to go and see if they had any. So I used a substitute for that as well. And again, it could be unless you're doing a lot of Asian cooking, you might find that that is also sitting in the back of your cupboard unused for quite some time. So some of the substitutes they give from Mirren are dry sherry, sweet marsala wine, dry white wine, rice vinegar, sake and sugar or honey. What I also, I guess they also said if you have to, you could use water or kombucha. So this is going to be a sort of the acidic element to this dish. And what I ended up doing was using rice vinegar because I have a big bottle of that and I do use it. And this is a good time to, uh, a good time to pull it out and use it as a, as a great substitute. The, the only thing with that is you're using one tablespoon of rice vinegar with a table, a teaspoon of sugar. And that's a really good mirin substitute. So that's what I ended up doing. It calls for only a quarter cup of mirin. So you would be doing four tablespoons of rice vinegar to one teaspoon of sugar if you use that substitute. But I will link to this article in the show notes as well, just because it had all these other great options. And it gave a lot of options also for the sake And I think what I ended up doing, if memory serves, was just substituting it for the dry white wine because I did happen to have that on hand. I do often like to, I often enjoy white wine in the summertime. I tend to drink a lot more red in the fall and winter and spring, but in the summer I tend to switch to dry white wines because I do enjoy them. And so I had that on hand. So that was a perfect substitute. I mean, in a pinch, you could probably also add otter or something like that, but if you have the dry white wine, that might be a good one too. But I'll link to this article, like I said, so you have some options as far as that goes as well. Now, also there's the tablespoon of infused sesame oil. I didn't actually infuse sesame oil myself for this particular recipe, but it is something that you could certainly do. Um, but there's a lot of different ways you could infuse this. And so you could infuse the sesame oil. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I did I did infuse the sesame oil, but I infused it with this distillate pen that I picked up from my dispensary that I've been eyeing for a little while to try. And I had a really nice balance of, it was a, a CBD rich distillate pen, THC and CBD, but I had about double the CBD as THC. And it was a, you know, a lower dose. So it was something because I'd be serving this for my husband as well. And he's not looking to get wrecked. Not like I am. I wanted to keep it a little more medicinal, if you will, but I infused the sesame oil with this distillate pen, which seemed to work pretty good. But if you do decide to infuse the sesame oil, he has you adding the infused sesame oil over heat and it's part of the marinade. And I think one of the other things that might be effective for making this dish is also just using like a drizzle of the sesame oil on each dish when you're finished to ensure that you get the proper dosage that you're looking for, because you may or may not lose some of the potency in the heating process. I did heat it over low heat as I as well as I could, but I was wondering about how I might be destroying some of the cannabinoids by, by doing that. But you basically start out by heating in a saucepan your mirin and sake, and you're reducing it by 50%, and then you're adding your infused sesame oil and your soy sauce here. And then you're going to reduce that further by another 30%. And that's essentially your marinade. And you're going to pour that over your thinly sliced strip loin, put it in a glass container, preferably, and let it marinate in the fridge for two hours or more, depending on how much time you have. And then other than that, 
basically the recipes, you have your head of broccoli, you chop it into little florets, you got to chop your shallot or your onion. And you're heating some, he suggests grapeseed oil in a wok or a pan. I didn't have grapeseed oil. So I used a more flavorless oil. I have coconut oil in my cupboard usually all the time because it is, it does have a high smoke point and it doesn't have a strong flavor. So it's not going to mess with the flavors of the dish. So you can use something like that, heat it in your pan, and then you're adding your shallots, fresh ginger, garlic, and you're going to saute that. And then you're adding your steak, your, and then you're adding your broccoli. And that's about it. I mean, that's why it's so simple and so quick to whip up because really chopping, you know, thinly slicing the beef and then chopping an onion and a, a you know, a head of broccoli doesn't take that much time. And often I find when I'm cooking, it's chopping the vegetables that can take a long ass time, especially if you're really hungry and you've been putting off making dinner for a little bit. So it was really nice. And like I said, I would really, I would really recommend trying to do the drizzle of sesame oil over the top. And that way as well, if you're serving this dish to multiple people, then you can sort of dial in the dosing a little more precisely for each person. So if you know that you have a higher tolerance than one of your dinner guests or your dinner mate, then you can always add a little bit more sesame oil to the end. I personally didn't find there was a ton of sauce left over. And with this, and sometimes that might depend on the size of the strip line that you end up buying, but this recipe as it was here made about enough for three people because I, my husband and I ate it the one night and then I took some for lunch the next day. Again, if I hadn't been serving it for my husband, I might've made it a little stronger for myself, but it was very nice. And that's about it. It's a great recipe to have in your arsenal, like whether you're infusing it or not, it was delicious. And of course it doesn't say here, but it would be really great over a bed of rice or something like that. So if you want to add something like a carb to it, then that is certainly very doable. So that's about it. That is a delicious recipe brought to you by a very talented cook who is bringing his skills across the country. Travis knows his shit. So I think you should give this one a try and let me know what you think and how you ended up infusing it as well. If you find different ways, a different way to infuse it, because I often find many recipes because I'm adapting a lot of recipes, not in this case, of course, but I'm adapting a lot of recipes that I find on the internet or my favorite cookbooks or places like that and adapting them to become infused. And there's often numerous ways you can do it. You don't, sometimes there's more than one ingredient that you can infuse, or you can use some of these like I said, distillate pens or some of those uh, dissolvable, odorless, tasteless powders. That would be another way to do it. I picked up a bunch of those at my dispensary recently because they had a sale. So if you are lucky to live in a place where those are available to you, that's just sort of gives you even more options to infuse some of your favorite dishes and favorite foods and buying them on sales. Always a good idea because... Who doesn't like to see a few bucks? And a lot of times this stuff does go on sale at a lot of different dispensaries from time to time because there's in Canada, there's so many dispensaries, at least in Ontario, they're talking where I am. They want to have 1,100 new dispensaries open by the end of this summer. And for context, we have the LCBO, which is governed by the Alcohol and Gaming Corporation, the same body that's governing cannabis as well. Someone told me recently that I was talking to about um, cannabis stores in Ontario told me they came from a beverage background. They said there was about 667 LCBOs in Ontario. 
And by comparison, we're going to have 1100, 1100 stores in Ontario by the end, cannabis stores by the end of the summer. So that's a lot. And there's a lot of market saturation, which means for those of you living in those areas where it's saturated with cannabis stores, and my town is no exception, by the end of the year, we're going to have 15 stores. That's right, 15 stores in my town of 100,000 people, maybe a little more, but about that. Actually, that's the county too. And they often, a lot of the stores, uh, that doesn't even include a lot of the stores in neighboring parts of the county. 15 stores in my town is a lot. So the advantage to the consumer is you can always shop around. Some of the stores even offer price matching and that kind of thing. So in any case, it's a big long diatribe to say that if you're looking to try some of these distillate pens that you can add to your food or oils or powders, those are a good place to check. See if you can find something on sale. So you can experiment with different types of infusions. Of course, it's always nice to have your pantry full of your oils and your honeys and syrups and all that kind of thing. So they're ready to go. But there is always more than one way to skin a cat as that old saying goes. And I'm not even sure where that saying came from now that I think about it. In any case, I hope you give this recipe a try and that you enjoy it. I'm sure you will if you like this kind of food, of course. And I think that about wraps it up for this week. I have I have some new recipes for next week, of course. And they're going to be quite summery now that we're getting into the full swing of summer. And I think you're going to enjoy those as well. Friends, it's been a real pleasure once again this week. And I hope you're staying healthy and happy. And you're enjoying all kinds of wonderful edibles. And as always, stay high.